Hi, I'm Shari De Silva, curator of the Jeffrey Bauer Art and Archival Collections at the Lunaganga Trust. This podcast is part of the Bauer 100 program, a celebration of the architect's 100th birthday. Jeffrey Bauer was famously silent about his work. There are only a handful of records where he opens up about his influences, routines and practice. He also rarely saved material like correspondence or sketches, which often form the core parts of an archive. The Oral Histories Project tries to fill this void by collecting the memories, stories and experiences of Bawa's friends, clients and colleagues. Today's speaker is Sunetra Bandarnaika, a former chairperson and trustee of the Jeffrey Bawa and Nunuganga Trusts. While Sunetra was one of Bawa's clients, he designed her famous Horogola Stables home in Sri Lanka's Gampaha district. She was perhaps more importantly a close friend of his. Last May, I visited Sunetra at her Kalamba home. With her flair for storytelling and a focus on detail, she recounted the first time she met Bawa, their collaborative creative vision, and the deep friendship they shared over many decades. Her standout recollection was Bauer's ability to envision a project in its entirety when he first visited a site, be it for the refurbishment of the Horogolas tables or the Kandalama Hotel. It was 1972 and I had come back from a few years in England, got married. Then I was invited for lunch by the then governor of the Central Bank, Herbert Tenafon, and his wife. I went along and there were a few people there and there was Jeffrey. Now I had never met Jeffrey before that. I was bowled over because firstly he was so tall and handsome and held himself up very well and so on. So we sat down to eat and I kept sneaking glances at him and I found he was doing the same to me which I found amusing. That's the start of my friendship with Jeffrey. Thereafter, as I said earlier, short of falling in love with each other weekly, beautifully. There's a big age gap between Jeffrey and me. He was my mother's age, roughly. Somehow it worked for both of us, right? And often I used to go and spend time with him in the evenings when his day's work is done. And we used to sip whiskey and smoke cigarettes. And um, of course, Jeffrey smoked about 80 cigarettes a day, 8-0, to my maybe three. So through an evening, he smoked six or seven cigarettes to my one cigarette. But anyway, we just started talking about life in general, his life, my life, and things like that. This was a way of familiarizing ourselves with each other. And we talked about a little bit about architecture. We joked and we laughed and we gossiped. So we like to do gossip. And uh, many evenings are spent like that in a most, for me, enjoyable way. And for him too, I hope, because if he didn't hear from me for about four days, he took call me and said, Sunetra, what have I not heard from you? Because you see, with Jeffrey, he didn't associate with many people. He was working, so his associations with work, that mean with architects, 
talking about work, looking at a building, saying, yeah, that should be like this or that should be like that. So at the end of a day, he wanted something very different from a very different person who hadn't a clue about architecture, but was prepared to listen to what he had to say and talk about people we knew and so on. It was about 10 years into my friendship with Jeffrey when my then husband, who was my second husband, when I met Jeffrey the first time, it was my first husband, it's 10 years later, and um, we didn't have a home or house of our own. So whenever we went to Gorogolla, we used to stay in the Walawa and we used to look at the stables. And I thought, hey, would it be great to do my house there? So I approached my brother, it belonged to him, and he very happily said, yes, the two of you can purchase it from me with one acre of land around it, which we did. And then before doing that, I said, Jeffrey, you know I don't have a house in Kalampo and I'd like to build a house. Where? I said, in Horogolla. I said, yes. Why Horogolla? I said, there are these tables which have gone into rack and ruin, not being put to any good use. So, I would like you to consider creating something beautiful for me there. He said no. I didn't know why he said no, he just said no. But of course I persevered endlessly and relentlessly. Finally he said, okay, he come with me. So I put him into my vehicle, we drove there. But well before we got to the stables, Jeffrey had stopped the vehicle here, so we did. He got a full front view of the stables from there. He got out, he stood leaning on the vehicle with his elbow on the roof. He was tall enough. And I'm sitting in the back seat, very silently. He lit a cigarette, puffed away at it. There must have been about two minutes silence and he said yes I'll do it wow you can imagine how excited I was at that point and then the whole process started uh, looking at it properly taking a couple of young architects with him there was a Indian architect who had just passed out called Philip Fowler who was working for him so Philip was the one who was attached to me for the project, looked at it, drew drawings, endless sketches, discussions, arguments, I butted in and I said, no Jeffrey, I don't want that, or I want such and such. So finally, we got an excellent contractor who had done very good work for Jeffrey called Sahabdeen. Sahabdeen had a very good team and Sahabdeen came on board and that was brilliant. So he moved into Horogolla, there were some quarters at the back of the Walao, so Sahabdin and his team moved in there, they cooked their meals and then we started work. I must say Jeffrey didn't come too often. Philip and I used to go twice a week to spend the day and look at how we were progressing and used to come and report to Jeffrey. Jeffrey must have come once in two weeks or so look at things and give his opinions and go away and then those things were done. Then he used to come again and 
we were not in a rush to finish the house. My husband was financing it and he didn't have a lot of cash at that time. So we moved very slowly and um, we needed high quality materials. Timber for example, because that house is full of timber and we had to get good seasoned timber, preferably timber that had been used. So there were certain individuals who were selling their homes but they couldn't afford to maintain them and there was a team of people who used to purchase the house from the owner and then dismantle the house very carefully brick by brick, tile by tile and they knew I was looking for material so I used to get calls all the time saying we've got such and such come and look so I used to bundle Philip into the car and run from Colombo right down to the south we were going purchase timber and got really well seasoned timber and so this made the whole process somewhat slow but we didn't mind that we were not in a hurry and then just used to come and say yes that's very good quality timber where did you get that from I said Jeffrey that's not for you that's mine and <laughs> So, a house is moving, slowly but steadily. Then, of course, in 1983, came the rats. So, for a period of time, we couldn't do anything much. Then we started up again. We laid the foundation stone on the 1st of April, 1983. I told my mother, there is a building here already. Why do you want to lay a foundation? That's traditional, so that was done. So from that time, say we started on the 1st of April, then there was a gap during the communal rats and we moved. And meanwhile, what the first thing we did was to run the wall right around the premises. Having done that, outside the premises I planted big trees. I didn't want them on my side, on the other side, so you see the leaves and the flowers. Those things were being slowly done while the house was being built. It took us four and a half years. Jeffrey used to come and want to change certain things. For example, walls, he had wanted holes punched in the walls and things like that. I said, Jeffrey, take it easy. You have a bad reputation and you're building a house for somebody, you go and tell them to break things. If you do that, you pay for it. <laughs> oh no, I never do things like that. Called Sahabdi, break a hole on that wall, two holes, things like that, nothing major, and the floor and everything. Then came the stage of furniture. There again, with Jeffrey's advice, I got furniture, some made like the cane chairs in my sitting room, other things, a couple of pieces from the Wallawa, but bought. At that time, the antique dealers, there were quite a few antique dealers. Gomis Tarmasena being the main one. So I was able to get them at a very reasonable price, like those gigantic pentagons, for example, which Jeffrey liked very much. So then finally, on the 25th of November 1987, was the day that we were moving to the house. So my mother was there, my mother in law was there, my sister, my husband's family, 
Jeffrey came with his very dear friends who were then my friends as well, Jean and Christoph, and he got his domestic, Jayatissa, to carry this candelabra. So like a mace being carried by the guy in a parliament, right? That sitting there in the sitting room, walk carrying this thing with Jeffrey walking behind <laughs> Always drama, right? And took it in and said it has to be placed on the table, the low table, not on the ground, on the table, right? And then there was a little chanting of Pirit and then the priest went away and we had short leads and things to drink and so on. That's the lady moved in. That's how it got done. There were one or two things that I loved to have for the house, which Jeffrey too had looked at. Now, I knew Jeffrey had looked at them because the Gomis Dharma Sena gang used to tell me. I said, don't tell him that I have looked at them. So, there is this fantastic Dutch door and the four pillars. The pillars, of course, came to me earlier on. I went to Gomis and I saw this. Gomis said, Mr. Baba also has looked at it and expressed interest. I said, oh no. He's not going to have it. I ran to my husband. I said, give me the money. He gave me all the money. Paid copies. Got a receipt from him. I said, now hide this door. So he hid it under piles of timber. Right? Jeffrey went to look for it. It wasn't there. He took a torch and flashed it around. He was getting more and more angry from what I heard. Bobby's said, he's gone. Jeffrey was cross, but he went away. Then, Gomis transported it to my place. So I placed it against the far wall, close to where it is now fitted. And Jeffrey came to the veranda, stood there. Now I am standing beside him, it's all this. Oh, he said. That's a very nice door. I said, yes, Jeffrey, it's beautiful. Give it to me, I want it. I said, oh, you're going to have it, that's mine. So I suggest you think of where to locate it. But, to his full credit, Jeffrey quickly got over his shock and annoyance and immediately decided where it should be fitted. And it works beautifully there. And I battled for things and I won. Because Jeffrey was not in the habit of paying for things. I was in the habit of rushing and paying and getting a receipt. So who would get it? The one who was paying. So things like that happened. Little things, not major things. So that's how the house came into being. Jeffrey was really happy with the way it was done. Then there was one section where the roof, timber, I couldn't get old timber. The bathroom has wanted to finish it quickly. So the timber I got, the rafters went like that. So I was in a terrible state. When Jeffrey came, I showed it to him. He looked at it. He didn't say anything. He must have realized, my God, if I said this is not nice, we'll have to take the entire side roof off. He said, oh, this is very beautiful. This is very arty. Leave it like that. Right? Then I said, Jeffrey, but we don't have a dining room. Where am I going to eat? He said, here, that veranda there. Hmm? 
you're going to eat here, yes, Jeffrey, that's fine. But when it rains, you just mop it. You just mop it. <laughs> then came the question of what's the dining table? I said, Jeffrey, I've already got a very nice table. It's a round table. Bring it at once so that is now where to put it, the veranda was too narrow for the table. You know what he did? He curved the back wall into the kitchen. Perfect. So that the table could fit in there. And it sits very nicely inside the kitchen as well. Something that has really amazed me about Jeffrey is he used to look at a site. It could be a completely empty site with some trees or not flat or slightly rising up or a sort of a decrepit building and it recorded like a camera in his mind and he could immediately envisage what he thought it was going to be. So changes were not very many, changes were really adding spaces or making a large space into two spaces for our needs. That and one is an entire new wing that was necessary for the dining, kitchen, extra bedroom and so on. That was added. Otherwise, this alone wouldn't have been enough. So that he said, why don't you have your meals in the loggia? That's where the Dutch grew and be fitted. I said, no, Jeffrey, but people will get wet in the rain, so let them carry umbrella. I didn't know where to hit him, pump him or to laugh. <laughs> I love that house. Every time I walk into that, I'm amazed at the spaces and how he has set the doors, have specially designed huge hinges. He wanted thick planks for doors to the bedrooms. The downstairs doors to the bedrooms are thick like that. It was very difficult for me to find it, but I did. So special hinges had to be designed to make sure that the door wouldn't sag over the years. So when I see all these things, and my chaps keep it nicely polished, the brass, I said, wow, is this really my house? Did we do this together? Hmm? And what a relief, my husband is not there. I have it all to myself. I love living there and the gardens. The house sits surrounded by trees. The forest at the back. Then trees on either side, some are flowering trees, some are not. It's not isolated building. It's got huge stretches of grass leading towards the forest and the trees. So one can feel comfortable, but there are times I feel, is this my home or is it a showpiece? There are times I feel like that, but that thought passes me. And uh, on the sides I planted kotang uh, trees, jack trees, kohumba trees, all those trees on either side from the back veranda leading to the forest, all the trees, sal trees, all I planted. At the time we started building. So by the time the building was done, the trees were a modest size I must say. I wasn't an original trustee. He had Michael Mack, Mr. Joseph, Puloga Sundaram, Ina Di Silva. Those were the original trustees. 
told me about the trust being set up. Then later he asked me whether I would join him. And I was a bit taken aback. But I said, okay, let me think about it. So I did think about it and came back to him and said, yes, okay, I will. What am I expected to do? He said, this trust is a charity. It was set up by an act of parliament at the time Mr. Jayajava then was president. And it is for the purpose of promoting quality architecture, quality building, creating a team of very talented architects in Sri Lanka basically and then also funding them to go abroad and see what works have been done elsewhere. So I thought that's a great idea. So I joined and then Mr. Ward Beeling joined and so on and so forth. Jeffrey passed away. We decided to give the Jeffrey Bauer Awards, which I think was a brilliant idea. It is only after he passed away that the trustees said, this won't do. We are responsible to parliament for doing things that we said we would do. So let's get on with it. So we continued what Jeffrey had started, interviewing young architects just passed out from schools of architecture here. And very good architects, when they were young, have applied. The whole process is very transparent. Nobody could point a finger at us and say, look, you favoured somebody who's a friend of yours, nothing like that. And then we had this big event and we present the thing, the award to them, the, you know, what yeah. is shaped like a pyramid. And... Uh, so I think that is a very positive thing, encouraging young people, writing about them. The shortlisted ones get a lot of coverage in the newspapers before the actual event. And of course now, with this 100th birthday coming in a couple of months' time, the trustees have got a beautiful program worked out for the next 12 months to not only showcase Jeffrey's creations, but showcase architecture in Sri Lanka and also showcase Sri Lanka, the beautiful places that Sri Lanka has and what things can be done. In the forests you can create spaces, in by the beach you can, up in the hills you can, what can't you do? So all those things that have been planned, we found to our surprise, he died. With every year that passes, more and more people are showing interest. The Chinese, the Japanese, the Indians, others. I think Chinese and Japanese in particular, they want to know. They've translated Jeffrey's books into their language. So obviously, Jeffrey became a highly marketable product when he was no more and he wasn't creating anything else, right? So we are very proud of it and we want the trust to promote this in whatever we can. We have a big team of staff in Lulunganga, team of staff in Colombo, so our expenses are very high. We are hoping to raise money here from Belvishers and uh, do this major project.
architecture was a building, I, I liked it, I didn't like it, that was all. Over the years, talking about things, talking about what he had created, I used to ask him questions and he used to explain. And then he gave me some books to look at. I can't remember what they were at that time. Books to look at. And then we used to talk. And then I used to go with him to Kandalama, to uh, Jetwing Gaul, and to the last hotel he built, Blue Water, and hang around with him. And he looked at things, sat down with his pad and a pen drawing sketches with the architects around him. I used to listen very carefully. That way, I learned a lot over those few years. Handelama, I must say, of all the things he has built is my favorite. Edmund Spence, which was headed by Michael Mack, his dear good friend Michael Mack, wanted to build a hotel in that area. Mr. Premadasa was the president. So they had identified a block of land that was approved by the president president and they came to Jeffrey and said, look, we want you to do this hotel. He said, where? So they described it roughly. I want to see it. How are we going to see it? You hire a helicopter. So a helicopter was hired. Michael Mack and whoever else got into it with Jeffrey. And then they went to the spot. He took one look and said, you must be out of your mind. I'm not going to build here. Oh, heartbroken. But Jeffrey, we have already got approval. So now that we are up in the sky, shall we go round and round? He said, just keep going. Let's see whether there's anything else that catches my eye. This rock is nice. There was this gigantic rock. Then the flat land leading to the water. He said, this is where I will build. So poor Michael McNeely fell off the helicopter and came back. He said, I'm not going to build on that spot. If you want me to build this land. So they moved heaven and earth. Somehow got clearance and to build there. He had a lot of obstacles from the priests, Buddhist priests there and all of that. But when you see that building, here is this rock and it's very uneven surface and this hotel is hugging the rock. The back of the hotel is hugging the rock. There's one wing, the Sigiriya wing, one wing, the Tambulla wing. And then when you're in a room in the Sigiriya wing, wherever you are, you may be sitting in the bathroom, toilet. You're looking at Sigiriya. I mean, this is the amazing thing about the man. He always said, you don't look in from outside, you look out from inside. That's everything he has created is like that. That's why he won't touch a piece of land that's not going to be much good, where that is not possible to achieve. So, and then of course, things he built, Jetwing was also very exciting. The lucky staircase, fantastic battle and all of that. And paintings on the wall. Jeffrey used to get very excited. He had the three best people working with him. Lucky Sena Naika, Ina Di Silva and Barbara Sando. They are the people who did everything. Like Ina with the cloth, Batik. Lucky with the paintings. 
and uh, Barbara with the fabrics. You see what a team that was, the team of four. It was unbelievable. And Jeffrey towered over them all. <laughs> but he was terrified of Ina and Barbara. He would say something and Barbara would say, no, certainly not. Jeffrey used to be very obedient. Same with Ina. Jeffrey was terrified of others. So Ina said, Jeffrey, stop this nonsense. This doesn't match that. What nonsense are you talking? You throw one color in with another color, a third color, it matches. Poor Jeffrey probably didn't understand what the hell that meant. But when it was done, he realized that is true. He was very lucky and we were all very lucky in Sri Lanka to have all of them fit and able and terribly creative. That was a period that in the history, architectural history of our country that we must really be very proud of. Even now the young architects, you can see Jeffrey in a lot of those houses. Abroad, Jeffrey used to always stay with his dear good friends, Jean and Christophe, at Kensington. I was also their dear friends. I met them through Jeffrey and we became really good buddies. And I used to stay downstairs. They had a separate flat downstairs. They lived upstairs. So I used to go up in the mornings and have breakfast. And Jeffrey and I used to say, now what shall we do today? So they used to take us to see some of the buildings that they had created from their company. You know, what it was called, I can't remember for the moment. Christoph. Jean's husband and Jean were in that company. And then anything we saw just going around, Jeffrey couldn't walk much. But Christoph used to drive us. He had an old large Citroen. He's driving Jeffrey in front, Jean and I in the back. And then Jeffrey would say, Oh, what's that building? Stop, I want to look. And they were able to explain to him what those buildings are because they were also very good there again, those two. So you can see what a team they were. What a team. And Jeffrey was quite terrified of Jean. Jean said something that has to happen. So I must say, I'm really, really happy that I was at an age when I met Jeffrey first. I was 29 years old. And it continued until Jeffrey died. It was an age where you are prepared to learn. You don't have fixed ideas. You want to learn and you know for me I always say I'm so very lucky I wasn't one of his architectural people I wasn't an architect I wasn't his assistant mm -hmm. I was just a good friend Jeffrey trusted me and I trusted Jeffrey there were times when I had problems I used to go and discuss with him over a glass of whiskey a cigarette things like that and he used to and he used to always advise me correctly. Looking back, I know his advice is always right. Then he becomes my father all. A father to a young daughter, kind of, you know. You know, Jeffrey is a man who was not so He had a little group of friends and he was very happy to be with them or be at home reading a book. By the way, he used to borrow books from everybody, including me, never read. I used to go 
poking around and poking around once I found a whole pile in the guest toilet, I took them out. I said, Jeffrey, these are mine. Oh, really? They are yours? I said, yes, I am taking them away. Anyway, he used to be quite happy spending time on his own. I friend dropping in, chanting a drink. Not too late, by about 10.30 or so. And he didn't go to parties, he didn't enjoy it. If he went, he would go and sit in one place. People used to rush and talk to him. He was very modest, amazingly modest. Never once have I heard him praising anything he had done. Never. Somebody else would say that to him. And I'm sure he appreciated that, but never. It was a remarkable quality in the man. He must have thought, I am creating wonderful things. I know that. It is not for me to say. It is for others to see it and come to their own conclusions. That was wonderful quality of Jeffrey. I used to go fairly often. And some of the time I was alone with him. Some of the time there were other young architects staying the weekend. Jeffrey used to go on a Friday morning and come back on a Tuesday usually. Weekend, so we sit, have lunch, rest in the afternoon. In the daytime, he would be pushed around in his wheelchair. Or he had a buggy. A three-wheeler converted into a buggy, right? And he used to be driven around. And he looked at every single tree. And there are plenty of those every single branch. He used to point his walking stick if he wanted a branch trim to do that. And he had this excellent curator, Michael Daniel, young and enthusiastic. And while Jeffrey was there, he would get the gardeners to come and trim it. And then Jeffrey was happy. Move to another space, look around. So he used to do that. And I used to walk behind him to see what he was doing. Branches, but why that branch? I never asked him, but I realized once the branch was cut, I realized what was remaining showed up better. Now, I have also got that talent, I must say, Maku from Jeffrey. Then in the evenings, we would sit in the bar, have drinks. Usually, we used to go right to the bottom of the garden, just looking down at the paddy fields and then the there to a lake beyond that. We used to sit there and the drinks were ordered and on a full moon night you can imagine what magic it was the moon there were no clouds, moon used to be reflected in the water. The water was perfectly still except for the hot ripple. And you used to sit there facing that, having drinks. You know, it was so calming. One did not need to make conversation. One did not need to be distracted. Conversation, I found, would have been distracting. Looking at this was what was really So, many times I've been there, it's been like that. That pattern used to be followed. Or we used to go across to the other side to where his good friends were. Rico and... Uh, Go to his their place and have lunch. That was also beautiful. Look, 
why on earth would you want to leave Lunuganga and go? When Lunuganga is like several sea, beautiful sceneries put together. You have the water there. You have the paddy field. You have the row of wonderful white arrayas. Then you have the plain of jars. Then you have the tall bamboo trees right down below and the bamboo trees come up to your eye level at the higher level. So you, you keep on walking, you can take a section at a time or decide no, today I am going to cover the whole area. You don't need to go anywhere else. So Jeff, you saw the where did you go? I said, this beautiful place. Not a blink of an eye when I sit down, if you say that. Wow, what you have created is beautiful. You smile. Oh, yes. He realized it was beautiful. He never lived there continuously because he created this beautiful place, number 11, which thereby has another story, uh, but that was long before I knew him. Um, he used to always do something. There was always something more to be done. Before you enter from the front doorway, you turn left and you see at the far distance a Dagoba. So Dagoba to be seen. He said, cut down the mountain. Fortunately, the mountain was of earth. So that he could see the Dagoba. And then he created that ha-ha. Who would think that there is a pathway there? Of course, he had travelled widely when he was in Cape. Italy, I think, was his favorite country. He likes a lot of the stuff in Italy. And uh, he didn't like those fancy gardens like in Versailles. It didn't suit him at all. It's very, it looks very artificial. Anyway, so he would have got ideas from here and there. And they were all recorded in his brain. He had an amazing brain. So when he looked at something, all these things were there. He probably thought of which one might suit that idea. I'm sure that's what happened. Uh, in Kandalama, when you walk along the passage downstairs, the thick walls, and there are those holes. And they are chamfered holes. Like what he did at my place, the porch chamfered. Now, I had been to Iraq with my mother in the early 70s. And when we were taken to see these beautiful old buildings, none of which exist now, tragically. Anyway, and in this palace, I can't remember the name of the palace, there were these holes, just like that. I said, Jeffrey, you're a copycat. <laughs> copycat? Why am I a copycat? Have you been to Iraq? Because I saw this in Iraq. Iraq. I don't even know where he copied it, but anyway, I just made a joke of it and let it pass. Yeah. He used to give me books of sculpture. He was much more into sculpture than paintings, I felt. And knocking off the arms of the sculpted young men right there. So he was much more into sculpted figures than painting. He liked paintings, but sculpted figures. So. That's kind of three-dimensional, you know. He looks this way, he sees the little bum, looks this way, he sees a flat stomach, 
Then he looks and says, no, this arm is not right. Knock it off. No, it's not good. Knock it off. The problem with him was every time he did something, he was right. <laughs> Anything he created, now like that, the huge head of fan at the bottom there, would want something like that stuck there. He was a real genius. So creative. So creative, so imaginative. Hard to beat a man like that. I mean, they don't use one in a century, I would say. Even the first house he built for my aunt, Mrs. Prini Deraniagala, in Guildford Prison. Again, inside looking out. Wonderfully that house. That was his first house. You know, that hill. If you're going towards Cinnamon Hill, you have to go up like that, you know. There's that lone tree there. Unamale tree there. It's a Bhagavad. What he told me was, he picked the branches and hung weights and kept moving the weights. Now you're hanging it here so it will go down like that. When it shows signs of rising up, he'll move the weight there. Must have been about a good five, six years or ten years. It was like that when I got to know him. But just two trees, I think. Whoever would have thought of hanging weights from branches or a tree. And he had the base. I mean, you expect something to happen quickly. It didn't, and it must have been pretty horrible. Look at these branches with things hanging from it. There we are. Any tree he has put down always meant something. The tight texture of leaves. There were big leaves or small leaves. That mill barrel tree as you come in when the fruits are down below covering the ground, the sand and floor. It's, it's amazing, yes. And uh, we hope that with a good team of trustees, the trust will be able to do very positive, creative things because they are all young. They are all professionals, they are not all uh, architects, but they are professionals in their own fields, they are energetic, and they are driven by the sort of thing that Jeffrey was driven by. So I'm positive that Jeffrey's name and Sri Lanka's name in the context of its natural beauty and architecture will become global. I've no doubt about it, whatever. Starting with this year, Jeffrey's 100th birthday, it will become global. It has to and it must. Everybody must use this as knowledge gathering, you know, starting point for them before they go charging off anywhere else to look at buildings, anywhere else, right? It is uh, stunning. One thing I never asked Jeffrey was, but he thought of Gaudi. It didn't cross my mind to ask him. I would have loved to have known because Gaudi is somebody I don't like. I'm sorry to say I don't like. But he had a tremendous impact because he created things which nobody else had created. I'm sure Jeffrey would have hated it. I don't stop fair to say that. If he had lived longer and if he could have spoken and if he could have, I could have asked him, Jeffrey, where would you like the trust to go from here? Huh? Yeah. I am sure Jeffrey would have said, 
the kind of things we are now trying to do. That's what he would have said. Because he would have given up creating spaces, but his mind was creating things all the time, inside there. He would have learned from that and moved forward. Sadly, that was not to be. But instead of grieving it, we should be happy that we had Jeffrey with us for so long until he was about 83 or something like that. For so long. And I mean, when you turn it at the gate at Lungabu, what you see is a veritable forest with this narrow path. You're wondering where you are going. I remember my mother was invited by him when she was Prime Minister. So I'm talking of the 70s. We went then, you know, driving through this dark. She said, what is this? This looks like a forest. Are you sure we are going to the right place? I said, don't worry, yes we are. So we drove in and then it opens out. Going like that and opens out. And again it opens out. And she was blown away. And Jeffrey was so polite, sat down and explained things to her. Said when he bought it, about his parents, he talked to her and uh, how it was the, like the house of the manager of rubber property, rubber, and what he did to it. And my mother couldn't believe it because for her, that's not architecture. For her, I think good architecture was colonial houses, like the Horogolla Balawa, like their Balangoda Balawa. They were solid like boxes. Had verandas right round, eaves sticking out to prevent the sun from coming in, and large spaces. But that's not what Jeffrey did. Open, open, open. My mother used to ask, should we not put cats? <laughs> For the veranda said, why don't you go and ask Jeffrey? <laughs> he would have murdered me. The word cat was like poison for him. <laughs> cats, cats. Dismiss cats for all time. <laughs> Just mop it. That's what we do. At Gallery Cafe, which was his office. When he's pouring with rain, Shant has no choice. He has got those thick uh, polythene. He rolls them down like cats. It's awful. Because you're trapped inside this narrow passage. And this thing, sort of not very transparent, but transparent. And you can see the rain falling on the other side. You can't see it properly. So, you mustn't block anything. Too bad if this country has rain, you live with it, no? The story of Jeff. Oh, you've taken me down memory lane. We would like to thank the trustees of the Jeffrey Bauer Trust and our generous patrons and sponsors for the Bauer 100 program. Dave Nelson and I get produced this episode. This podcast is copyright to the Jeffrey Bauer Trust. All rights reserved. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at archive at jbtrust.net. We would love to hear from you. To find more resources on Jeffrey Bauer, attend our events or volunteer, you can visit our website or follow us on social media. Please hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to leave us a review. 
because this helps people find us more. Until next time, take care.